Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Amen. I want to speak to you today about dangerous prayers and this video opens up our series, a third part of our series, as we're getting together and talking about how to speak to God in ways that change our life in our prayer life. God bless you as you watch it. God, I've been comfortable for way too long. Please forgive me. I know you want to use me to show your love in this world. Give me eyes to see needs of others and a heart that dares to get involved where you are working. God. My life is yours, whatever you want, wherever you lead. Here I am, Lord. Send me. How many know that's a dangerous prayer? Because when you ask God to send you, it has to be propelled by surrender. Amen? It's like um, the prayer, send me, is the vehicle, but surrender is the fuel that allows you to go somewhere with God. So you have to have a story in your life to tell others that's true you have to know the story of Jesus Christ because it's powerful and it changes people but you also have to have a story that's surrendered you can take the pen of your life and you can exhaust yourself writing your own story doing your best to fill in all the blanks and doing your best to fill in all the gaps and you can do everything that you can do to make life the best it can be or you can surrender the pen to the one who knows how to do life best in fact, the one who came and died that we might have life and that more abundant, the scripture says. Amen? So when we talk about surrendering to God, I have to start with the approval and the acceptance and the congregation today because this really means your life, not just my life, not just the life of the person sitting next to you. I'm not preaching to somebody who specifically has a life leaning toward God in this place and everybody goes, well, they're going to be used by God. They're definitely going somewhere. They're probably going to end up at seminary or Bible college or something. God's definitely got to touch on their life. I'm talking about the people where someone says, I don't even know if, if, if we'll see them this week or next week. I don't know how things are going in their life. Those people, if they ever get a decision in their mind to give God the pen and say, God, if you write my life, you can truly change everything about me. I believe, I really believe there's anchor moments in our life where we surrender something to God and he takes us and changes us. Amen. And that's the send me kind of prayers that I want to talk about. It will challenge every commitment in your life. How many know friendships cost money? Going to have to hang out with them, maybe go to lunch with them, spend time with them. That's why you need to be careful how many friendships you have. Because if you have a lot of friendships, social media has really kind of ruined that for some people because they have a thousand friends that they never talk to. My son just got on social media not too long ago, and he's like, I am not liking people or letting people be my friend if I don't know them. What a concept. 
you get all kinds of friends re friend requests in social media platforms. You get all kinds of different things from people that want you to, to be involved in their life, but you can't be involved in everybody's life. You don't have enough energy. You don't have enough time. You don't have enough money. Th in order for you to be a good friend, it's going to cost you something. So I guarantee you that your commitment levels when you pray a prayer of, Lord, send me, are going to be challenged. Everything about your life truly is flexed whenever you start to talk to God about using you more because he begins to stretch you for the place you're going, not the place you are right now. He begins to build you immediately upon saying, Lord, would you send me? Would you make me something you want me to be? I am available to you. God begins to put into your life things that may be very uncomfortable. Amen? Have you ever had have you ever had someone that you talk to and they're about 9 months pregnant and they're like I'm you're like how are you doing and they're like that's really not a good question I I really don't want to talk to you about that right now because I'd really like to have this baby and they're just completely uncomfortable they have been working with all kinds of uncomfortable growth amen and they're carrying this child and they really want this child to come so asking them how are you doing maybe you should ask them how are you holding up how are your ankles how, I don't know ask them something but ask them something that shows you care but don't ask them about their ankles that would be a bad thing but some sometimes whenever you're you're carrying something in life that you want God to use you in, it can become a burden. Amen. It can seem like a burden. How many have been there? Whenever you pray to prayer, you ask God to do something for you, and all of a sudden a problem shows up in your life. Have you ever what why does that happen? Why is it that when we ask God for some help, sometimes we get more problems instead of it seems like the help that we need? And in fact, God is sometimes teaching us how to have the faith to receive and to recognize. Everyone say receive and they would say recognize the help when it shows up because sometimes our help comes in ways that we don't recognize sometimes it shows up in overalls and work boots amen sometimes the change God is that we've been asking God for may require us to move somewhere different or change our location or bring our kids and do something different with them and offer God an opportunity in all of those things to work in us and to send us I've prayed that prayer several times and I have meant it sometimes and sometimes I have not meant send me. How many have said something you thought you meant but when God started working on it, you know, God got on the job and he starts changing things. He shows up with a hard hat sometimes and starts knocking down some walls and remodeling some areas of your heart and some areas of your life and you're like, but I, I didn't think that that prayer meant that, God. I, when, <laughs> when I said, send me, I'm available, we'll go, we'll do, I didn't realize you were going to give me a, a different job. I didn't realize you were going to transition me into caring for my mother-in-law who's now sick or I didn't realize I was going to have to hear news that's very, very difficult for me to carry while I'm still trying to do my own life. Now I have to worry about a mother or a father or a grandmother or a grandfather who's ailing and I have to go to their house on a regular basis and all of a sudden my schedule is crunched even more than it was before and here I am now complaining about my schedule and God then comes to you very softly and reminds you, hey, remember when you prayed that prayer and you asked me to use you? 
you may not think it's important, but sometimes caring for grandma is you being Jesus to someone who needs it. Sometimes you caring for your kids or sitting down with your son at the table to help them with algebra or spending time with a friend at work over a lunch hour just trying to encourage them just a little bit because he's going through a divorce or she's found that her mother has stage two cancer or there's something going on and you don't even know what it is but you can see their spiritual low and you just come up and say, hey, if you need anything, I'm here for you. If it's all right, I'd like to buy you lunch today. Could we go get some lunch and just talk and maybe we could even fill in some time with a little bit of stuff about the Lord helping you know you never know what's going to open up when you say Lord send me but I promise you that God will make doors open for you and they may seem like difficult doors but if you walk if you walk through them I will promise you that God will use you in a magnificent adventure in your life more than you ever imagined I set somebody free to today from the feelings and the woes of life because you thought it's just too difficult your difficulty can be lifted with the power of prayer in your life your difficulties can be helped by the spirit of God and if we just surrender it and say Lord I don't know what you want to do with this situation I don't even think I can get my head around why it's happening but I trust you in it I uh sitting at a traffic light January a year ago and a lady decided she was in too much of a hurry to put her shoes on and she ran into the back of my car while driving slippers slid off the brakes and ran into my nice car <laughs> which I'm not afraid of losing a car I think cars are just cars they're used to get people from one point to another but she decided that um she needed to hurry and get someplace and by sliding off the brake, hit the gas and ran into me while I was sitting here. I happened to be looking down, so I kind of did the old whiplash thing. And I heard my neck pop and I thought, and I had just done one of those prayers, send me, Lord. I had just one of those moments, not even a week before that, where I said, God, whatever you want of me, of my time, of my effort, I am surrendered. This is a new year. 2015 is going to be awesome. I'm excited. I was pumped up, trying to get the church pumped up. Everybody's trying to get excited. And this lady runs in the back of me. And now, and now I have all kinds of inconveniences. And I'm standing on the side of the road. And it's kind of paradoxical that my last name's Calhoun and the accident happened at Calhoun and and Greenfield, I believe it was, or Cold Spring, Calhoun and Cold Spring. And the cop even comes out to do the report, and he's like, what's your last name? I said, Calhoun. He goes, well, that's ironic. <laughs> I'm like, thanks for making it better. Way to go, bud. Remember, remember, Remind me to look you up and send you a card of thanks. And so then we get out of the vehicles, and, I'm, and she's like, I'm so sorry. I, I slid off the brake, and I hit you, and I'm sorry. And... I'm like, no, no, it's uh, things happen, accidents happen. I think I'm okay. May need to see a chiropractor a hundred times, but I think I'm okay. And she goes, I'm really sorry. And so then I said, well, we're going to need to do a report. And she was agreeable. Well, when the cop gets here, the whole story changes, okay? So now I've got somebody who does admit to doing it, but doesn't have insurance, 
has a revoked driver's license, and it just keeps getting worse. And I'm going, Lord, I just prayed to use me at a new level, and I'm getting run into. What is going on? Did you remove your hand of protection? Did I pray the prayer wrong? Was I miscommunicative? Was there something that I said wrong? And the Lord kindly offered me an understanding that there was something that was going to come out of that that was good. And then the long run, right now, I'm in discussions to have a Bible study that would not have happened with an individual had it not been for that lady running into the back of my car. I don't know why God chose to do it that way, but he chose to do it that way. And it's his car anyways. It's his money anyways, amen? It's his stuff anyways. So if you have to have something taken out of your life, I promise you God will give you something greater in its place because that's what he does. And if we understand that loss is never easy, but God is a God of resurrection, he will bring you through that if you don't let go of his hand. Amen? Amen, amen. Let's give God some thanks for that. Amen, amen. So there's a couple of ways that we pray this prayer, and there's three ways that kind of we respond to that whenever God starts doing work, when we when we say send me, there's three really three really strong responses. And number one is we find in Jonah's life. How many know the story of Jonah? Went out on a boat, came back in a submarine. <laughs> it's the first account of a submarine in the Bible. Some don't know if it's really a true story. I personally believe in the authenticity of the word of God. I believe this. I believe that God is so awesome that he built a whale for Jonah's moment of failure while Jonah was still righteous. Oh my goodness. How many times have we prayed prayers to God in moments where we're living for him well and then that next week or that next month we slip up, fall up, fall down. But I'm so grateful that the Old Testament tells us that underneath are the everlasting arms of God. And even when we fall, we cannot fall through. Amen? Hallelujah. And so we know that while we are still human and while we still make mistakes at times, God is so faithful that he fixes our failures for us if we live a life surrendered to him in a sin me kind of lifestyle. He literally takes care of our failures before we get there. Amen? Somebody ought to worship the Lord for that. That really deserves a good amen. Amen? Because while I'm standing here feeling good about myself and my lifestyle living for God, I promise you I will sin somewhere in my life in the future. I will make mistakes as a human being. I'm not talking about gross sin. I'm just talking about slipping up, having a crabby morning, not getting breakfast and having a hangry lunchtime. I, I don't know. I mean, just something comes up. It, 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 it tends to fall in on us. And sometimes we, we are not quite where we need to be as Christians and that literally weighs on our hearts and minds that Lord while we're praying send me can we be everything we're supposed to be when the job shows up but the truth of the matter is he is all supply he is all resource and when we empty ourselves, it makes an empty vessel for him to fill when Jesus Christ was emptied into incarnation, it made it possible for us to understand who God was in a very powerful way because God now had flesh and bone. 
So when Jesus came and was touchable and was able to be felt with the feelings of our infirmities, it made him a different individual and a different, gave us a different understanding of who God was. And we, we truly have to know that God knows our infirmities. He feels and knows our, the things we go through because he walked this earth. We don't have a God who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but we're in all points tempted like as we are. And I have to tell you that while I'm talking about Jonah, because unless you're willing to be touched by the feelings of someone's infirmities, unless you're willing to care about a situation, you are not authorized to change the situation. Your authorization to make a change in any situation is whether or not you have a heart for it. And Jonah did not have a heart for the people of Nineveh. They were his arch enemies, actually, if you go and study the Bible. He could care less whether Nineveh was destroyed by God. And so when he asked the Lord to use him, Lord, send me, or here I am, responding to God's call. And when God told him what he wanted him to do, he was like, I'm not going. <laughs> Have you ever had that moment? where you feel like God wants you to do something and you, you just didn't end up doing it, driving by somebody on the side of the road and you're like, well, that could be a sketchy situation. I don't know that I'm going to stop. Uh, maybe not. Not in today's age. You know, it could be a prank. It could be someone trying to get my wallet. Sometimes God wants to use you in un, unsettling situations. So Jonah here in this situation, literally gets on a boat, heads the wrong direction. And it says in Jonah 1, 1 through 3, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah did what? He ran away. Well, it's not up there, but it says it. he ran away from the Lord. He didn't run away from Nineveh. He ran away from the Lord. When God calls you and you pray a prayer of Lord, send me, you might have this response. Here I am, Lord. Oh, that's the job? Never mind. <laughs> I don't want to go. What if you pray a prayer and God asks you to go to Africa? Not, uh, don't forgive me. I, we have guests here from Africa that just moved here. I, but this was actually in my notes before you guys came. To <laughs> it's like, what if God, it literally says, what if God sends you as a missionary to Africa? They're from South Africa. They just moved here to Brookfield. Hey, man, give them a big welcome. They somehow made it into the sermon. I guess God knew you were going to be here today. He does know. Amen. Wonder how many of us, when we sense God's calling and we sense God's leading, we don't necessarily process it properly or understand it. I, I had this happen to me in the fall. I felt God talking to me about going back to college or getting some more college classes for theology um and so i was like oh i need to go to purpose institute i need to go to purpose institute and this is a class or a place where they teach um different you know theology degrees things like that so i was going to kind of just brush up on some things and make sure that i was well sharpened you know just get together with some people going to school iron sharpens iron that kind of thing and I felt like God was wanting me to do this. I called my wife. I said, hey, I think God wants me to go to Purpose Institute this semester. And she's like, uh, okay. <laughs> he didn't say that to me. No, I mean, she didn't say that. But he was like, I was like really excited about it. And I misunderstood what God was really trying to say to me. 
And then, so I call the instructor of the institute. I say, hey, I feel like I need to go. We're good friends. And he's like, okay, well, here's the information. And I ended up getting uh, run over by some other stuff that happened. And I was like, I'm not going to be able to do that this semester. And I was like, Lord, I, I feel like I missed it. I feel like I'm not doing what you want me to do. And so I was like feeling a nudge from God, but I wasn't able to do it. And then... About two months later, they called me and they said, would you be willing to set in as one of the teachers and substitute at Purpose Institute and teach some of the material? And I was like, oh, that's what you meant, God. <laughs> I totally got that wrong. I thought you wanted me to go back there to go to school, but instead he wanted me to help teach some of the course. And so then I substituted yesterday and represented LifeSpring at Purpose Institute, where Rob is attending. And it was a wonderful thing to feel like I was doing something that I felt God wanted me to do, but I didn't quite understand how to do it. Have you ever had that moment where God nudges you a little bit, but you don't quite understand what it is that he wants you to do? And while I didn't understand it, I was just obedient enough to God to where he, go, he went ahead and cleared up what it was he wanted me to do. Amen? He'll do that for you too. I promise you he'll do that for you. If you just have a hungry heart for him and you just seek God with everything in you and you feel the nudging or the pushing of God towards something or something, if you'll just go ahead and take an initial step, even if you step this way and God meant for you to step that way, he knows your heart and he knows you desire to please him and because you just kind of step a little bit off, he'll go ahead and guide you right back to where he wants you to go because it's easier to move something already moving than it is to move something that refuses to move and if you have a hungry heart for God I promise you he'll change your direction ever so slightly because he's gentle and he's kind and he's compassionate and he's loving and he's not harsh and he'll help how would he how would you not help what if if my daughter ran to me and said daddy I I want to do this for you and it's something I completely hate I don't even like it. Like if she made me scrambled eggs, and I don't like scrambled eggs, but she makes scrambled eggs every once in a while. When my daughter makes scrambled eggs, they are the best eggs on the planet. She doesn't know I don't really like scrambled eggs. My wife has been cooking me scrambled eggs for 20 years. She doesn't even know I don't like scrambled eggs. <laughs> every time she sets them down, I'm like, those look good, babe. <laughs> Just shut up and eat. Just shut up and eat. <laughs> But when my daughter does something for me, even if it's not necessarily everything that I'd want, I still love her for it. And I still appreciate her for it. And I t still tell her, you're doing great. Keep it up. And then later I'll tell her how to better do what I'd like to be done. And I think that's how God works with us. He entreats us. He, he comes to us. And, and when we step out and try to do something from God, even if we don't get it necessarily all right, he goes, that's good. Keep trying do this and he helps us and he brings people into our life amen? amen that can help us and guide us so don't be jonah say here i am lord and then when you get the job description say i'm not going even if it's a missionary in africa even if it's helping the two-year-olds that's that's like going to africa right they don't know where to go to the bathroom. They, they, oh, it's a mess, you know. Got to clean up stuff after them. That's, that's kind of like being a missionary in Africa, I guess. Then there's a second response that we have to the call of God when we, when we're trying to have a surrendered life, and that is number two, 
We see it in the story of Moses. He says, here I am. He gets the job. Go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. And he says, send someone else. Someone more qualified than I. I, I have a problem with my speech. I stutter. Now here's a guy. Here's a guy who starts out at the best schools of Egypt with the best training possible, who is in line to be the Pharaoh, a Hebrew boy that is in a culture that is completely Egyptian. So while he's Egyptian, by family familiarity, he's a Hebrew boy on the inside. And so he has all of this turmoil, and while he tries to have a heart for God and launches out the wrong direction, you know what I'm talking about, where he steps out the wrong direction. Guess what? He tries to do what he feels God would want him to do. He's like, I'm your boy. They're beating up on my people, so I'm going to take him out. That's what he decides to do. And he actually murders an Egyptian and then has to flee for his life. And so Moses is going to do what he feels God wants him to do, but he does it the wrong way. Have you ever done that before? It's not an easy place to be and to realize that God wanted you to do it different. I, I promise you that it's going to cost you probably more money to do what God wants you to do. It's going to cost you more time than you thought it was going to cost you. And sometimes we look at that cost and we say, someone is more qualified to do it than I am. But I know a God that uses the unqualified. Amen? If we surrender, he puts into our life the qualifications that we need to do the job. And so Moses maybe didn't realize, but when God told him to go and let his people go, he said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Let somebody else do it, in other words. And, and that's modern vernacular. <laughs> She's a stay-at-home mom. She's got more time. Let her do it. She can help out the two-year-olds. <laughs> He's got, you know several streams of income he's got more money he can handle the cost let him do it if God talks to your heart he knows you are capable of doing it and he might have already started building you for the moment when we look back they say hindsight's twenty twenty. the beauty of living for God is every moment in your life he's expanding you to be what you need to be when you need to be it and if you look back, you can see the little steps along the way where he made you into what you need to be so that you could be effective where he sends you. Moses didn't realize, but he got built for talking to Pharaoh when he was in Egypt because he understood all of their customs. He knew how things work. He could walk into Pharaoh's court and know how to act. God had built him from the ground up for this moment and he almost missed it because he said, here I am, send somebody else. If you hesitate, even for a second, you can talk yourself out of the greatest blessings God could ever give you. How many know that's true? And then there's a third response we have often and I'm finishing. And it's the response of Isaiah and here's the response we all desire to have. If you have Isaiah, you can put it up there, Isaiah 6 and 8. And it says this, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? When God asks, Whom shall I send? I want to raise my hand and say, Hello, 
Send me. I'm right here. I'm available. And Isaiah gives us a pattern for how we can make our hearts available to God. He says, here I am. Send me. In Isaiah 6 and 8. But you have to understand that in order for Isaiah to pray that prayer, here I am. Send me. You have to look back at what he saw in verse 1 because there's a genuine experience that has to happen between you and God first in three different areas. Number one, you have to have a genuine, you have to have a genuine experience with the presence of God. Everyone say presence of God. In Isaiah 6 and 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, it was supposed to be a bad time. They lost the king. They loved their king. But Isaiah had this experience. He said, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on his throne. In one translation, it says, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. When he was grieving a great king, he said, but I see a a, a greater king. I see a higher king. And if you don't know the reference, the reason why Isaiah was able to say, no matter what it is, God, send me, I'll go, because he realized that God is his supply. God is his everything. Even when my king has died, even when the authority has died, even when the thing that is up on the throne seems like it has died, there is a God who's on a higher throne. And I serve that God, amen? And so... What he sees here is he sees God high and lifted up and his train or his robe filling the temple. And in those days in antiquity, whenever a king would conquer a nation, they would take that nation's emblem and they would emboss it on the robe or the train of the king. So when a king walked in in his regal garments, he came into the room and however long his robe was behind him or his train meant the power and the authority and the territory that that king had conquered so when King Uzziah died he said I know we've lost a great king but I see a God Almighty who has a robe behind him that is so powerful and is so awesome and has so many territories and so much authority that he is high and lifted up and his train literally fills the entire temple he's not just like King Uzziah with maybe 10 or 20 different territories that he's king over but he is a God who has so many things he's in authority over that his train literally fills the entire house of God he said my God is so awesome that's so powerful and has so much authority that I'll grieve a lost king but if God wants to send me he's got the power and the authority and the kingship to do what needs to be done I don't know if you've ever seen that before or ever understand the scripture to mean that. And I get excited when I see that. And I get all, you know, I get to yelling and get to red, being red in the face because I see where, as you see here, Isaiah not only saw that God was powerful, but he saw angels, seraphim, six-winged angels, singing, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And he was talking about the earth being full of glory and that being available to us. And so number two is our response to God being send me, here I am, send me, also has to be fueled by a genuine understanding or awareness of our sinfulness. 
because Isaiah's very next response in 6.5, before he could say, here I am, send me, he said, woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. He said, I am ruined. One translation says, I am completely undone. When you get in God's presence, you realize how magnificent and how powerful and how great he is. And we realize, as the Old Testament says, that God realizes we are but dust. And in that moment, Isaiah was like, I, I, I'm, I, I don't know, I, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King. Everyone say King. The Lord Almighty. He had a vision of God that was so great that he felt so small. But there was an angel that left the throne with a coal. And if you look up the original translation of the word coal, it actually says a rock, a hot rock. <laughs> Touched his lips with pavement. <laughs> really, one translation calls it pavement. <laughs> I, I found that very funny. Here, kiss this. <laughs> I don't know. I just I find it very interesting because that's kind of like that preacher humor that you get. Whenever you look into the Word of God, you get strange humor. But So he touched him, and the instant that he touched him with a hot coal, the Bible says he was cleansed. And then, from that understanding, number one, that he was in the presence of God. Number two, that he was sinful. He came to the point of understanding God's grace. And that's the third thing you have to understand, to pray a prayer of send me. That's a dangerous prayer. I realize that not everybody's willing to pray that. This is not a salvation prayer. This is not, I'm not going to heaven if I don't pray a dangerous prayer. This is a prayer where you want to be used more of God than ever before. And so you have to have a under, genuine understanding of God's grace. And in 6 and 6, it says, Then one of the seraphim flew in with a live coal, as I talked about in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs of the altar. With, the, with it, he touched my mouth and said, See this has touched your lips. You are, your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Because in God's presence where it's holy, he couldn't be without being atoned. I'm grateful for the atoning of God's power. We are saved by grace through faith. Amen? And it's a gift not of ourselves. But it's a gift. It's, it's not of ourselves, but it's a gift of God. So how many have ever had something where you, um, where you were dealing with a situation and you felt like God's grace showed up? Amen? I felt that many times and I knew it wasn't I knew it wasn't God just giving me a pass. It was God showing up and helping me to understand that his grace is so powerful that it helps me to pray more prayers of send me. So with his presence I fall on my knees and find myself repentant and in his presence I find grace. Amen. The Bible does say in his presence, if you'd stand with me, in his presence is fullness of joy. And I'd like to speak to somebody's heart here. Maybe you're carrying a lot of things with you today. Maybe you have a lack of joy in your heart. Maybe you feel like, I don't know, I've prayed that prayer before and it didn't really work out. I prayed, God, would you send me? Would you help me? And it didn't work out for me. I want you to be encouraged to try again because God is still asking that question. Who shall I send? Who shall go? I finished with this story. I, I, I was in uh, a very young state at the time, and I didn't have a lot of understanding 
Um, but I asked God to use me, and I asked God to help me. And he started off an adventure in my life, and he put purpose and fulfillment, and he put spiritual growth in my life. And while I was pulling over on the side of the road one day, I just thought I had heard a noise in my car. I didn't know what it was. And all of a sudden, this guy walks out. And he's not smelling the best. He had been drinking all evening. And it was one of those situations where you immediately have a red flag and you're like, I don't know if I need to talk to this person. But I felt compassion for them, for him. And I felt like it was God compassion coming through me. And I said, um, do you need some help? Do, can I help you get home? And um, can I just give you a ride? Do you live in the area? And he's like, yeah, I live here with my mom. I'm living here right now. And so I put him in my car and I drove him to his house. But on the way to the house, he started talking to me about God and things and and that he's going through and all these struggles. I said, would you would you like to just go pray? Would and I didn't even know how to ask. I was so young. I, I thought whenever someone needs God, you take them to church. <laughs> well, go to the church. I happen to have a key. That might have been a bad idea for the pastor to give me a key. But I decided we were going to go to the church and pray at the altar. Okay, that's a good idea. I didn't know what I was doing. So I put him in my car. We're headed to his house. He starts talking. I turn and I take him to the church. And I put two chairs in front. And he sits down. And about halfway through the conversation, he said, I am the lead singer of a group that was called the Violent Femmes. Do you know anything about them? Da, 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 that, you know, that whole thing. And I'm like, okay. Really what you were doesn't matter much to me. What you're going to be matters a lot to God because he put us in contact. And we started talking and I prayed for him. And about halfway through our conversation, he pulls a beer out of his pocket and takes a drink right in church. And I'm like, I'm so dead. <laughs> this place is going to smell like alcohol. The cleaning lady came in like on Saturday to clean up the church and he had left a bunch of beer on the back of the toilet in the bathroom and I didn't know it. She calls the pastor all in a panic. What's going on? Someone's drinking in the church. I had no idea what I was doing. But he began to cry, and he began to seek God, and we prayed a prayer right there. And I took him home, and we were still friends afterwards. And I really feel like God touched him in that moment, and God used me because I just said, send me, Lord. I don't know to who. And he was talking about possibly a reunion of the band, and, and I was like, you know what? You need more than that. You need God in your life. God can use you the same way with people you never thought. I don't even I didn't even know the band name. I didn't even know who they were. I had to go look them up. And I probably wish I wouldn't have done that, but it was one of those things where you just say God send me. And I I want to pray a prayer this week that God would use you in such a special way that you would know off of this prayer I'm about to pray that your heart opened to it. And God used you. Would you bow your heads with me real quick? Jesus, in the name of God, I ask you to do a very sincere work in us. That we would understand that we have no ability to say yes to you without understanding that you are the God that we need to be in the presence of. You are, you are God that needs to be close. Jesus, you called us to be salt and light. And we can't do that without proximity. We can't do that without being close to you. We can't affect anything without being close to it. So would you be close to us as we pray this prayer? Would you give us joy in our hearts? 
Would you give us renewal this week? Would you help us in a very real way that we might leave here today with a send me prayer on our lips and not hear what you ask us to do and say, I'm not going to, and not hear what you ask us to do and say, send somebody else, but hear like Isaiah and say, Lord, send me. I will go. Would you give us the courage to pray that dangerous prayer today? In Jesus' name.